0: Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, still, verses 10 through 18 this morning, Paul writes, Now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in agreement, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same purpose. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there are quarrels among you, my brothers and sisters. And what I mean is that each of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. But has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Paul. Now, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one can say that you were baptized in my name. Now, I did baptize also the household of Stephanas. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to proclaim the gospel, and not with eloquent wisdom, so that the cross of Christ might not be emptied of its power." For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me, please? Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for this day. We pray that you would open our minds, open our hearts, so that we can feel the Spirit moving in and among us. Let us hear these words in a new way. Let us see with new eyes and see the vision that you have for us as we seek to live our lives as your disciples. In Christ's name. Amen. The last week. Now, this is an interesting series that we're going to be doing over the next week or so, over the next month, all up until Transfiguration Sunday, which is the last Sunday in in February. These last two weeks, or this, last week and this week, we've been looking at, 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 um, at, at Paul talking to us in his letters to, to the church at Corinth, or in his first letter to the church at Corinth, on the theme of living our life as Christians. How do we do that? Last week, we heard Paul, in the first part of that first chapter, tell us that we had everything that we needed. This week, Paul is asking us to be of one mind, and we'll talk about what that means here in just a moment. But I want to prepare you that for the next three weeks, the following three weeks, we move to the Gospel of Matthew in the 5th chapter, beginning in the 5th chapter, and we look at the Sermon on the Mount for the next three weeks up until Transfiguration. Hard to believe that this is the last week. Well, is it? This is not the last week in January, is it? Oh well, whatever. And I may be wrong. I may I may have the week off and everything else. When my microphone was doing doing its backflips and everything else, I lost my train of thought, and that's never good on a morning when I've tried to commit my thoughts to memory. It's sort of like that morning that that uh, that I was preaching at uh, uh, that, that I was preaching at Rising Fawn United Methodist Church, and the bishop shows up. No, the bishop never shows up at a church where I preach. She did that morning because her husband had had served Rising Fawn as his first pastorate when he was a student at Candler forty years prior, and they had happened to be in the in in there for a weekend for a, for a wedding, and they decided, well, we'll just drop in needless to say I saw this van pull up and I'm looking out there and I'm seeing a couple of people at that time it was Brenda and Larry Carroll. Now I recognized them That this was before Brenda was our district superintendent. I recognized them and I was thinking well what are they doing here? And then I saw Rusty get out and then I saw the bishop come walking around the back of the van and I was thinking well I won't say what I was thinking. Laughter But I yelled down the hallway, the bishop's here, the bishop's here, and everybody's going, oh, Dendy's here, okay, and they all gathered around to greet the bishop. Because, like I said, 40 years before, they had been, that had been their, uh, that had been their, their, their parsonage family. That was also a morning when I had tried to commit the sermon to memory, and I I also was, was taking an extra step of trying to do Holy Communion by memory, that liturgy, I wandered down so many dadgum rabbit trails, I don't know how I got from point A to point B. But I never will forget that when I got to, when I got to the communion part, and everybody at Rising Fawn would come forward and kneel at the rail, and I would go around and give them the bread and greet them by name. And I did this. Mary, the body of Christ. Show the body of Christ. And I get to the bishop. And and she and she just looked at me and smiled because she knew the, t- the wheels were turning in my head and going, why do I call her? Why do I call her? Is it do I call her Bishop? Do I call her Mary Virginia, her given name, Mary Virginia, Body of Christ, given for you. That's about the only thing I remember from that morning. Other than any other time that, that the bishop had had to be pre- or happened to be present. From then on that Bishop Taylor was present whenever I was helping to serve communion, like at annual conference when we have 20 different stations there to help serve communion. She would always find out which one I was in so that she could come up to me and watch the wheels turn again. (laughs) So, hopefully we can make it through this this morning. But, what we're going to do, or this morning... You know, we've got, the, we've got the, the, the Sermon on the Mount to look forward to in the next few weeks. But this morning, Paul's addressing division. I mentioned last week that, that the church at Corinth was a church in turmoil. This letter was written probably around the late 50s. Jesus had been crucified around A.D. 33. Paul's letters to the church predate the Gospels. And when Paul speaks about about the Scriptures, he's not talking about anything that's being written in the contemporary uh, time. He's talking about what we know as the Old Testament. Because those were the only scriptures that they had at that point in time. As Paul was writing, the only th- thing that he had were the letters that he, uh, that he provided for instruction to the churches. And the church at Corinth was a church that he, had, that he cared for tremendously. Had a great deal of feeling for. And they were breaking his heart. I told you last week that one of the things that they were, that they were arguing about were the spiritual gifts or the, or the main thing that they were arguing about or one of the main things that they were arguing about were spiritual gifts and what spiritual gifts were more important than other spiritual gifts and Paul was going, that's all poppycock, quit that, stop it. So you see, we've had church divisions, even predating, even predating what Paul has written. We had, had divisions in the church about how to approach the Gentiles in the Jerusalem church. Whether Gentiles needed to become circumcised and become faithful Jewish people before they could become Christians. And the church has been filled with controversy and and division almost from the very beginning. As things were coming together in in the 4th century, in the 5th century, in the 6th century, the 4th century is when we began to see the Apostles' Creed come about. It wasn't written by the apostles. It was written as a response some of the heresies that were going on at that time—heresies that would that would declare that that uh, Jesus was not human. Now, I'll be the first one to tell you, I still can't figure it out what Jesus was. Our faith tells us that Jesus was wholly human and wholly divine, all at the same time. When we all get to heaven, we can fig- he'll, hopefully he'll tell us how that worked. there were folks who said that Jesus was just a spirit he couldn't have been human because human flesh decays human flesh has problems and that's where the Apostles Creed came about controversies when it came to dividing to, to determining what was in the canon that became what we now know as the New Testament what got in what got out what what was included what wasn't included there was politics going on when that happened there were divisions when that happened in the Methodist of moving a little bit further down the road, we get to, we get into the 11th century and the division between the Western Church and the Eastern Church over what kind of spirit Christ was, what kind of spirit the Holy Spirit is? How did Christ come forward? That divided the church between the East and the West? still to this day, divides the church from the east to the west. I hear the stories about the church councils back in the days when when when, when people, the the, the great saints of the church, were alive, like St. Nicholas. We think of St. Nicholas now as the inspiration for for, for Santa Claus and, and all of that. But... One of the things that he was best known for was for punching another person there at the, at the conference in the nose because he thought he was a heretic. Church division continued the religious wars in Europe. I won't go over all of this, but we know that there were times that the the Roman church was divided with a pope in Rome and a pope in, 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 in France fighting over who actually had control. And let's not get started on Henry VIII founding a church, the Church of England, so that he could divorce his wife rather than chop off her head. Not that he, not that, that stopped him from doing that to several of his wives. By the way, all that re- re- religious war fighting and everything else is one of the reasons why we have the First Amendment to our Constitution. Founders did not want the religious wars to cross the ocean into North America. Just keep that in the back of your mind, not that it has anything to do with anything right now. Even in the Methodist Episcopal Church, the church that, that John Wesley re- reluctantly founded. Wesley didn't want to found a church. He wanted to start a he wanted to start a holiness movement. He wanted to start a reform movement in the Church of England. But there were arguments there. The church in America, the Methodist Episcopal Church, was founded because the Methodists had no support here in the United States or in the colonies at that time or the, or, or the states that were part of the Articles of Confederation. Because the founding of the Methodist Episcopal Church predates the Constitution in 1787. It was founded because... If you were in a Methodist society, you would gather in the Methodist Society, you would have your band meeting and your and your class meeting, you'd take up your collection for the poor, and then you would go to the Episcopal Church to receive your communion. Well, when the Revolutionary War came about, all those Church of England ministers went back to England. There's nobody here to serve communion. So Wesley, like I said, very reluctantly. By the way, Wesley also said that the Americans were crazy <laughs> for wanting to get away from England. He was not very well received, and we all know we we all know how he was received here in Georgia. I'll tell you, uh, if you don't know those stories, I'll be happy to share them with you at some point in time, but just not now. But let's just suffice it to say that when he was in the Savannah, Georgia area, he was run out of town on a rail, okay? He reluctantly founded a church, a church that was, to begin with, anti-slavery, church that was interested in social justice a church that was interested in reaching out to the poor, the last, the least, and the lost a church that was interested in restorative justice, not retributive justice well Methodist Episcopal Church that went along just fine from 1784 until the early 1800s when the anti-slavery thing started watering down, and then in 1844 when a bishop refused to give up his slaves that were that he inherited through his wife, that led to the split that created the. Northern Church, the Methodist Methodist Episcopal Church, and the Southern Church, the Methodist Episcopal Church South. Our heritage here at McFarland is MECS, Methodist Episcopal Church South. Simpson's heritage, just down the street, is Methodist Episcopal Church, the Northern Church. The Northern Church... Over the years, was known as a church advocating for workers' rights. Simpson was the church back in the day when the mill was the center of everything here in town. That was the church where many of the workers attended, if they were Methodist. McFarland was the church where many of the mill bosses, the the supervisors, attended. And that division still exists in the minds of some people today. As I.O. Arnold would say, they're wrong about it. But it did seem that a lot of the professional folks gravitated to McFarland. Divisions. Don't get me started on the divisions in the Methodist Church in the United Methodist Church today. I will tell you that what folks say that it's all about is not what it's all about. It's all, it's, it's, it's all about control. And folks, some folks who are who are wanting congregations to leave the United Methodist Church are telling lies about what those of us who want to stay Methodist and by the way I'm not going anywhere lies like that we don't believe in the virgin birth that we don't believe in the divinity of Christ makes my blood boil That's not what I want to talk about. That's not what I want to talk about. See, division has been something that we've dealt with for our entire history. Most of you are older than I am. And in my 63, almost 64 years on this earth, I don't think that I've ever seen the country as divided as it is now. And that comes from a kid who grew up in the 60s. The big thing that's the difference, I think, between then and now, well, a couple of things that are a difference between then and now, is that number one, I believe that we have forgotten how to disagree with each other without being disagreeable. And the other thing, I think, is that all of this is exacerbated by the fact that we are on an information overload. It was a lot different when you had Walter Cronkite and Harry Reisner and Huntley and Brinkley, and as it. And they were only on for 30 minutes. Now we have news available twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week. And as the old saying goes, nothing sells. Like conflict. Or as the as another more crude way of putting it was, if it bleeds, it leads. But what Paul is talking about in this being of the same mind. He's talking about being in the mind of Christ. Being focused on what Christ is calling us to do. Focused on who Christ is calling us to be. And even then, there were problems. When he says... each of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ, you're setting up division. I have to admit that that when I look, or, or, or as I was working on this scripture and reading through it, as I've been looking at it for the last month or so, trying to figure out what I was going to say here this morning. And I'll be honest with you, I'm still trying to figure out what I'm saying as I'm talking this morning. Well, honesty never hurts, but that one thing. I belong to Paul. I belong to Cephas. I belong to Christ. Have you ever been in a discussion with someone who believes that they're right and you're wrong? He was what Paul was saying to the folks at Corinth is don't even start with this I belong to Christ stuff because what you're saying when you're saying that is well Christ's on my side I'm right you're wrong Christ's on my side that's all there is to it there's no need have any further discussion. In all of those cases, people are focusing not on what we're supposed to be focused on. We're focused on winning at all costs. My friends, what I'm here today trying to tell you is In this scripture, Paul's trying to get us back on the right track to get over ourselves, to get over our egos, to get over those things that we want to put in the way of other people. And by doing that, we're putting it in the way of ourselves being where God is calling us. He's telling us that we don't need to was that a movement of the Holy Spirit there, Ben? or okay <laughs> I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Trying to tell us that our divisions don't matter, that we are one in Christ Jesus, and that our allegiance is to Christ alone. calling us to a better place to a place where we don't necessarily have to see eye to eye on each and every issue but by the same token we don't have to demonize those folks who we disagree with us to, each one of us, to work out our own faith in fear and trembling, focused on Christ to guide and direct us. So that the light can shine in and through us to illuminate a better way as we go through this life together. Be of one mind. Seek the mind of Christ name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We invite you to visit our website at mcfarlandumc.org to learn more about our church and the ministries that we provide to the Rossville and East Lake communities around Chattanooga. May God's blessings be yours.